Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Autocar podcast, My Week in Cars, uh, with me, Matt Pryor, and him, Steve Cropley. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Matt. How are you? Yeah, very good. Episode 14 of our eight-week run. That's going pretty well, I would say. Can you believe it? Yeah, uh, heading on, for actually. Christmas rapidly? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. So over the next half hour or thereabouts, Steve and I would usually expand on our Autocar columns, but the magazine on sale now is the Christmas double issue, the first of two. And we've already done our columns, haven't we? We've already talked about them with it. So this week we're going to talk uh, more about other stuff in the mag. And we have some of your correspondence. And just, well, we'll just talk cars for the next half hour. Or, or, or so and so. Um, you can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com on the email. Or you can find us on all the social channels. Gary Berent has emailed in to say... He used to have an encyclopedic knowledge of models. We talked about this the other week, didn't we, Steve? There's yeah. so many cars on sale. Whereas usually, once upon a time, you'd think, well, there's six Fords. That's easy to get a head around. And now, who knows? 27. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm clueless on some ranges, says Gary. How many Hyundai's are there? How many small VW soft rotors a phrase he misses? I like that. That's got a nice phrase. Uh, are there? I really don't know or care. That's the worrying thing. I don't care anymore. Totally agree with also no longer recognising the differences in car design. I used to spot the difference in cars from miles away. Yesterday, I followed what I could have bet my life was a 22 plate Audi Q7 and it was Audi actually a Hyundai Santa Fe <laughs> says Gary <laughs> embarrassed of West Parley well I mean yeah I think we feel your pain Gary don't we oh indeed don't be embarrassed Gary gosh yeah. I, I've, I've actually got into trouble with the steering committee by 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 sort of um, loudly announcing that the car ahead was a was a Ford and finding that it was a Toyota it's a it's in you know she she has great uh, great pleasure in reading the badge and saying, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Also writing in um, is Adrian Ragborn, who uh, runs a charity called Seize Your Future, who I think we will hear more from um, in the magazine in future, who writes about the Cadillac Lyric. You know, we talked the other week about the l- new Cadillac, which has its glove box button buried in a submenu yes. on the touchscreen, yeah. which is a disastrous idea. He says... After I changed my 1966 Morris 1100 to a Cortina 1973 XL, a friend wanted to get a cassette out of the glove box, which was locked, so I instinctively just took the keys out of the ignition 
and passed it over so they could unlock the glove box. And I think really the problem here is that the Cortina has a steering lock and the old Morris didn't. And as we were approaching a roundabout, Adrian says, uh, unexpectedly the steering locked. <laughs> what a disaster. Yeah, exactly. But I like that. I mean, it's not a... I, yeah, I like the idea that you could just have a glove box that has a catch on it. Why would you not? Why yeah, would you, indeed, why, would you, indeed. why would you put it three submenus in? I bet so, he was able to investigate the braking distance of that car. Pretty. Yeah, but you got a bit of a shock on that one. Oh dear. Um, right, but, so no columns to talk about this week because we talked about them last week. But let's talk some of the festive features in this week's mag. Uh, enjoyable one we did the other week called the Road Testers Christmas. Well, we call it the Road Testers Christmas Lunch. Yeah, it was good. It's a nice idea, that isn't it? Secret Santa, a bunch of staffers, and they all get drawn another staffer. Where they ha- for they they have to provide a car for um, a sort of best car launch this year that would suit this person the most. Anyway, who chose yours? Somebody decided you wanted um, an MG4. Was it Mike Duff? It is, I think. Oh, Mike Duff it was. Yeah. You're right, Mike Duff. Yeah, gave you an MG4. Yeah. How do you feel Christmas morning, Steve? Unwrapping an MG4. <laughs> yeah, the long long job. Um, <laughs> I enjoy. I I really like the look of that car. I think the I always respond to things that cost that have a low price. Wouldn't say it was cheap. Um, extremely good value for money. I like the way it looks. It seems to be good. Quite good range. They've they're a step ahead of everybody. I think those people and and uh, and made better by the fact that it's not called something unpronounceable, but mm. um, has a has a at least a, a name we recognise. I, I think they're, they're no doubt they've earned their success. Yeah. Are they? Much cheaper than the competition, it strikes me, than a lot of the competition. They I seem think very good value. It's yeah, I think of, it's a it's a clear five grand, isn't it? Mm. That sort of that sort of money. So, but I think it also looks credible. Yeah. Uh, um, some of them, some of them don't aren't very easy on the eye, but this one is, I think. Some Chinese-made cars, well, just, or just EVs some cars in, general, in that, or in that, in that category, sector. not really. Talking about their, where they come from, but they they just what we were talking about a minute ago. They they kind of f- fail the the eyeball interest test, but I think the MG4 is all right. Yeah, yeah, and they they are as a manufacturer doing pretty spectacularly big growth. I mean, it's easy, you know, I know it's easy to get very large growth when you're starting from not very much, but they've become a mainstream. Yeah, starting to be big in the patch. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I approve. I was glad to get it for Christmas, and I hope to keep it. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Not going to uh, happen, though. Yeah, no, so, so Victoria Parrot uh, thought I should have a Toyota GR86. Well, that's, she was right she on the money, me, wasn't yeah, she? she knows me pretty well, so I think, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Possibly it's, read what you've written already. Yes, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think I mean, it's my it's my perfect sports car to an extent, you know. You just it's the right It's the right price, it's the right power, it's the right size. It's a six-speed manual. It's rear-wheel drive. It's front-engine. Yeah. It's got the right balance that I like, and yeah, it's practical enough to use every day. And you can sit back to a cruise, and I just it's a lot very of car for the money too, don't yeah, you think? Because I, think so. I found myself um, comparing with the Alpine, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Renault bits, um, admittedly a little bit more exotic in layout, but really, you know, not that much different, and yet fifteen or twenty more expensive. Yeah. And yeah. and I, I that that makes the Toyota look very good value to yeah, me. Yeah, I think so. The new Honda Civic Type R is forty seven thousand quid as well, which is quite a lot more. And you just think, yeah, this is a good. It's no surprise that it's well, they'll be limited on the number of they can bring in because of the emissions clamp down and regulations and 
whatnot anyway. But it's no surprise that they're all sold out, and they can only I think they can only bring them in for another two years. I think they're saying, which is which is limited. Yeah, I'm mean, so limited that Subaru haven't bothered bringing in the BRZ, which is the same car on a different badge. Yeah, um, at all this time around, and they didn't sell very many last time because Toyota's marketing power is much broader, and they have more dealers and blah blah. Yeah, blah. so we but, we seem to be moving into this era where the sort of wind down era. You know, various people are doing different things, but but everybody's conscious of the of the encroaching. Uh, 2030, aren't they? I think so. I was speaking to Rebecca Adamson, who is the head of cars at Honda, uh, on the Civic Type R event the other day, and they can bring in hundreds, not thousands, and that is as a direct result of the CAFE, corporate average fuel economy. Yeah. Uh, restrictions, which means that the average... It varies from manufacturer to manufacturer, doesn't it, based on their historic performance and their car weight and how many they sell, and I think it's quite complex, but even though Honda sells a lot of at least partially electrified cars. I think the the Type R is the only car that isn't at least part uh, hybridised or electric that, oh, Honda, that Honda sells. But even then, they can only sell uh, yeah, a few hundred a year rather than a few. You loved that car, didn't you? I think it's really good. I think it's really terrific. It's got the pace and the uh, focus of the old Civic Type R, but it's much more comfortable. And they've got, you know, as all these engineers do, they show you a graph. They go, look, if you look at this little triangular graph, you know, you can see driver focus over here and uh, comfort over here. And with the old Civic Type R, we had to give away this much comfort. But with this one, we don't think we have to at all. And we sort of drive it on a bad road and think, yeah, actually, maybe I don't always buy these PowerPoint presentations, but you sort of go, actually, it does ride pretty well. Yeah. And is still really terrific to drive. Really yeah. terrific to drive. Six-speed manual. Uh, it's a very old school, you know, six-speed manual, mechanical limited slip differential, transverse engine, two-litre, front-wheel drive. And we used to talk about it a lot, and I don't think we do anymore because it's, well, because it's so uncommon because there are no other hot hatchbacks like it. The McPherson strut has got a little extra knuckle on the end, which moves the steering axis closer to the wheel centre, and that reduces torque steer. Because the idea that you'd put 300 and... 30 horsepower through the front wheels. It's all 15, wrong, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, 20 years ago, you'd have thought that was mad. You could, yeah. you, what are you talking about? The Ford Focus RS had 200 and... The first one had 200 and something horsepower. Yes, yeah, so that's it. And it, was, and it was... Yeah, it was torque everywhere, didn't it? Yeah, that's Absolutely right. Yeah, and the diff... They didn't get it right with the diff. They did, did there. It was, was... It sort of behaved oddly. Yeah, it pulled it into a corner, didn't it? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, you'd be mid-corner and it would hook up really weirdly. Yeah. Autocar liked... I think that car split opinion quite a lot. Yeah, I think it had something to do with how you drove it, didn't it? If, yeah. You know, if you if you 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 had to be quite um, precise with the car because otherwise it it, it would get unruly. Mm. Are you worried about the future of the hot hatchback? Um, a little bit, I must say, because I I've always liked the the simpler the simple philosophy of hot hatchbacks. You know, you. You have a car that you know an everyman car, and you find a way to make it um, better to drive and quicker and mm. handle better. And and it and it seems to me that the some of that is being rather buried by complexity. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, I mean, we'll have to see what they're like in the electrified age. But I suppose I'm not looking forward to them being too heavy because yeah, we've had 
you know, we've we've had the best of the agile ones, haven't we? You know, I, I've, you know, and to some extent you, but not so much, have grown up through the Golf GTI era where they started off well under 100, oh, 100 under 1,000 kilograms, mm. didn't they? 900. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, must be, I'm sure they're 15 or 16 now. Yeah, I think so. But even a, I think the Civic might be 14 something maybe, but it's, oh, okay. it's close to 15, I think. And... But even now, if you get an Hyundai i20, which is probably my favourite small one, I guess they're 11, 12-ish, 1100, But I don't know how you get anywhere near that with electrification. No. Even mild hybridisation must push that up by, what, 100? It must. 50. Yeah, they've got to. Yeah. 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 And I'm, yeah, I do, I don't know, the idea, yeah, you take a small car and you put a big donkey in the front of it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> also, there, there is a bit of a tendency for people to sort of tame the handling now, isn't there? You know, mm. we've, we we've again we've come through an era of you know rear wheels lifting and lots of throttle steering and and i i've quite enjoyed that stuff and yeah. you know i don't want them to be too neutral and benign no exactly i think the hyundai still does it pretty well actually the i30 and i20 still do that pretty yeah well. i've must spend some more time tuck. in those yeah that tuck that ford talked about don't they whether you lift off and it feels like it pivots around the gear stick, you know, it. just turn. You know, it feels like it's turning around its middle around you. Lovely idea. Really nice, that isn't it? Really yeah. nice. Yeah, you nice right. do it. I mean, the Fiesta will die soon anyway. So yeah, that leaves. It's a bit of a. I don't know. I'm worried about that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I don't want to be too down. It's Christmas, but you know. Interesting. Uh, the, Mark Tishaw wrote something the other day about mm. it being the Fords, the demise of the Ford and of of cheap Fords being a. You know, a bit of an abrogation of Ford's abiding principle. You know, they started off, didn't they, with um, uh, the Model T, mm. 1908. Mm. The idea was to put everyone on the road. And now, super minis, which put everyone on the road, are, are, are sort of being, the, the, the baton's been handed to someone else. Yeah. And that seems to be a, an un-Ford-like thing to do after 119 years. Yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So 119 being, uh, I think, where you count back to the to to, to 1903 when Ford started. Mm. The Model T, you had one. I had one. You had one. Uh, I had one because Goodwin and I, Mm. Goodwin's idea, we set out from the headquarters of Autocar in the middle of London, just on the South Bank, in a 1913 Model T to drive to Geneva, to the Geneva show took us parts of four days. We were there to meet Jack Nasser, who was the boss of Ford at the time. Mm-hmm. And I drove him around Lake Geneva. In this oh, really? Thing. And uh, um, I subsequently uh, taught several Ford executives how to drive a Model T because <laughs> it, it had didn't have a proper gearbox. You know, yeah. It had this epicyclic third pedal thing. I loved it. I, I wish I still had a Model T. Do you? Incidentally, the steering committee would say as she does about some of the cars I've had, mm. why did you sell it? And really? I'm not quite sure I've got a proper answer. Oh, that's interesting. Because it would presumably do something that nothing else in your garage at the moment quite does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just make you, it made you feel fantastic. We, I remember driving across Switzerland with Goodwin on the fourth day, mm-hmm. driving slower and slower in order not to get there. <laughs> Because we were having such a good time. I mean, he's fantastically good company. As he you know. is great. Yeah, he is very good. But, um, but the car was as a joy, and yeah. everybody loved it. 
we ruled a line across the across France with a with a you know and just took the little roads mm-hmm. you know because it wasn't you know stupid to go on auto routes and things and we just got good at telling you know we'd, you'd appear around the corner drive through some french marketplace there'd be all these people standing there having a chat and they'd be astonished by this brass red 1913 model t driving along we got really good at saying 1913 in french <laughs> would you uh would you buy another i w- i would if i i'm just a bit strapped for garage space but it's mm. it's a thing i think about all the time because they're easy to own i i, I i'll never forget neil tuckett the, the who's tuckett brothers is big model t um uh, sellers and supporters and i remember him saying to me if you break the crank in your engine it's 80 quid and a sunday afternoon try that in your bugatti that's astonishing isn't it that is astonishing and he had a you know he had a heap of of Model T cranks just yeah. sitting there. How many did they they make? What, 15, 14, 15 16, million? 16 million, and I think a quarter of a million are still on the road. Wow, that's pretty impressive. It's not I know, actually, I know somebody who's just bought one. James Lipman, the photographer, oh, who's has moved he, to America, flies around America. He's, I love his social media, his Instagram posts, because it's just him flying somewhere. And yeah. so, I send him a note sometimes, and he says, I can't believe they let me do this. It's a, you know, you can just go and land in the desert. Yeah, you know, mooch around for a bit, fly home again. But yeah, he's just bought one. I think he's going to drive it. Day, I is a man I admire very much because he, he will just do stuff. He rode a Honda Cub ninety or whatever seventy across America. Wow. Yeah, wow. and just he just gets on with things, and I admire that very much. But I think what, he's going to drive this Do you know what the car is? Is it a, what because they they started off very crude, and by the time they got to nineteen twenty seven, which is the end of Model T, mm. it was a it was quite a sophisticated car bodily i mean it was crude in 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 mechanical terms against the model a that came out later and all that but has he got one with a with a lid and all that or it seems to have no lid it looks quite crude to me and i think tour a body uh i think think probably it looks quite small weirdly but but i suppose in america everything when you park a model next to a pickup i suppose it does i think it's a yeah i think it's a four-seater sort of tourer type type thing and he, he will he, I, knowing him he will drive it a lot and I think he's taken the electric starter off it so it only starts on the crank because oh that's the sort of bloke oh my word you need a bit of I try you, you need some strength for that because because <laughs> there's a there's a speed at which you have to rotate the crank and if you don't reach the speed it won't go so it's um, it, he, he was obviously a strong bloke he's a strong bloke well he's much but, younger than but you otherwise are. a practical car really yeah. practical car you could you know that's what struck me about mine. Mine was a speedster, so it was it was a bit it was very modified, mm. much quicker than they should have been. But but boy, what a what an inspired car yeah. and and full of full of modern principles. You know that the chassis was made of vanadium steel. You know the best steel you could buy, so they could make it smaller. Oh, interesting. And lighter. Yeah. The the flooring of the car, I believe, was made out of the the crates that some of the components arrived at the factory. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. It, it's it's absolutely, and it had obviously had a two point nine liter four cylinder engine when other manufacturers are still making one one cylinder engines with no detachable head. And it mm. had a wide track, and it was just inspired car. Mm. Inspired. Yeah. Right. We'll take a quick advertising break. Steve and I will be right back after these. Ready to pop the question. 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, welcome back to My Week in Cars, where Steve Cropley and I are uh, talking nonsense about cars for half an hour or thereabouts you can write to us autocar at haymarket.com or find us on the socials i'll come to a letter in a minute but so steve we were just talking about the ford model t a second ago uh i saw one for sale at one of the vista scramble meets it was just, it was um one of the auction houses had it on display and it was going to be auctioned later right and it just looked it was a sort of i think it had been a racing car at some point or it's been converted to a racing car and i just thought it's pretty appealing, isn't it? Oh, mate, they're good. The thing I had was was light. Mm-hmm. It was just two seats, a barrel tank, and a box over the engine, and it was fast. I mean, it would do it would do seventy miles an hour. The trouble is that um, unless you've got some sort of chassis reinforcement, what happens is you go along, hit a bump, the back the chassis twists, and the car heads off in a new direction, and the steering is so crap that when you 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 make by the time you've made the correction and it's reached the front wheels, it's gone in another direction as well. So, <laughs> so is it like riding, driving a narrow boat or something? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely. You're constantly a step behind it. And if you, unless you've got a, as last you, you it, it works on smooth surface, mm-hmm. um, but otherwise, I think they're a bit speed limited up to beyond about fifty-five. You can't keep up with the steering corrections, mm. or at least I couldn't. And of course, two-wheel brakes is a bit of a scary Ooh, yeah, okay. situation. Yeah. Because you jump on the brakes and it and it wants to swap ends. Mm. But I like that. I just I I don't know. You know, you're having the full experience at what thirty to fifty miles an hour, yeah. rather than a modern supercar where that that you know to get into its zone might be deep into three figures. And the thing is, you are full of I think you're full of admiration for the car itself because it mm. is tough, it is simple, and and it makes good progress. I mean. You, I used to roar up the the hills in this thing. It was great. Mm. And also, people think you are a bit more of a hero than you actually are. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. People do. I'm, that's the other thing, isn't it? Is that if I don't know about you, but if I'm driving some modern flash cars, I feel a bit, you know, I feel like a bit of a tit. But yeah. in something like that, I feel I feel great. I just had a. You'll remember this: the Triumph TR2 Special that I, I, that I had, which looked like a '30s Bentley, but much much smaller. I drove it to uh, Le Mans and back about a week after I bought it. Did you? I yeah. didn't know that. Well, it didn't make it all the way back because the <laughs> uh, dynamo had sort of fried inside. So, um, But anyway, it made it all the way down and it made it most of the way back. Made it as far as Ashford Services in Kent. Pretty good. It was the, day, the, the, day, the night before I started working at Autocar. <laughs> uh, I got towed home, uh, arrived on the flatbed and then jumped in a Peugeot 407 or something to turn up at Autocar the next morning. I'll be there. And... Um, Anyway, yeah, it's the amount of goodwill that you get, even from you know 
as you might expect from a car crowd going to Le Mans and back, but the amount of goodwill that car got everywhere it went. Yeah. And you do, it's much more, I think, than a sports car, modern yeah. sports car. And don't you find that when you, <clears throat> we found on this, um, you know, famed trip to Geneva, mm. um, the, the miles kind of melt away, even though yeah. you're only doing 35 miles an hour. Mm. It, it, I don't know, you just, you just sort of start off and then you get there and yeah. you get, have you're a lot there. of chats and you, yeah. you know, yeah. pick a few insects out of your teeth and yeah. all that, but love I, it. I drove down to Le Mans with Kyle Fortune, another journalist who had a Porsche 924 Carrera GT at the time. Wow. Very, yeah, very rare car. He said he'd never, and of course it had a big fuel tank because it was homologated for Le Mans or whatever. He said, and it was of course doing 45, 50 miles an hour down the auto route. He said he'd never got more range out of it. As long as he <laughs> lived, the economy was spectacular. But I think, I think he found it harder going than I did. But yeah. Um, right, anyway, let's move on a bit to, uh, we've had a letter uh, from Steve Pryor, some relation, who says, uh, last week we talked about rural buses and what you do to replace them. And uh, he says, well, this is the student. Uh, we got a note from a, a student who said I, he's working on a, an alternative to rural buses. Oh, indeed, yeah. And anyway, Steve says, um, this is the alternative. Takes shopping, four people, 50 to 60 miles to the gallon. Could take a bike rack if you want. Parks anywhere. I could go on. Uh, anyway, it's a VW Up GTI that he bought recently. So it is a car. But he's and he's also you know more fun than ninety nine percent of more expensive supercars. He oh, might have a point. So many people say he nice things about ups, don't they? Yeah, don't they? Yeah. And they, you know the the little car that behaves like a big car, and they mm. take it on long extended journeys and quite refined. Really, I still love the way they look. I know I yeah. think it's quite timeless. It's it's yeah. almost beat nothing like a beetle, but it's got that same. You know, I get the feeling that if they're still making it in five years probably won't be but if they were still all right yeah i think so yeah what I a good car like, the app is yeah and i reckon I, I wonder if it's starting to get a little bit of a sort of niche cult following yeah. too you know you see yeah. some of the i'm not sure the up when it was sort of reviewed in period i'm not the gti i'm not sure whether people said yeah this is the uh the the driver's car like the golf gti or the, or the some of the other, you know, landmark hot hatches were, but I think it gets more appealing over time. That I agree. I agree. Yeah. I was on the car of the year jury as you were, mm-hmm. but I was on the jury at the time when we had the opportunity to give the, the car of the year to the up and we failed. We gave it to some other far less distinguished car. Mm. And I think it was a regrettable. Yeah. Well, yes, neither of us is a car of the year juror anymore. No, no. Uh, which is which is fine. Autocar is still a sponsoring publication. Mark Tishaw is the current the uh, bloke, the bloke in the chair. Um, I enjoyed my time doing it. Yeah, but I do regret things like the, no BMW has ever won that contest, which I find yeah pretty astonishing. I think the the the, the, the sort of slight indictment of that competition is that you, BMW don't try very hard, and therefore they haven't succeeded, mm. and it and it. That rather um, makes you wonder whether the the trying hard um, does affect decisions, mm. and and it shouldn't. No, if you go back and as you as you can through the sort of carofthead.org uh, website, I think carofthead.org, you can look at all the voting matrices. And actually, when you look back through the UK jurors' votes, I think you sort of go, yeah, this is a pretty decent bunch. The UK jurors are a good bunch. I yeah, think, they? really good bunch, and, and I think they vote well. Yeah, but that isn't. Well, it's a you know democracy, isn't it? You all end up, and it's one of those. The scoring system is quite complicated. That I think everybody's kind of 
second or third choice that inoffensive choice ends up sort of migrating towards the top because they think oh I'll give the yeah the whatever a few points I think we're lucky in this country one I think that you know the, I'm an I'm, a, I'm an immigrant so I can say this but I think the Brits are extremely fair-minded people mm. but also we have a market which not only contains everything except Lancia <laughs> yeah um, but um, but is also uh, inclined to buy um you know unusual cars you know mm. we you know we're not like the french or italians who even to this day still buy the national product to an exaggerated degree mm. yeah yeah that's a good i mean point. there is no national product so it's easy well i suppose there is that yeah there is that yeah uh well I, can i talk about a national product please do christmas road test me oh yeah almost, oh, God, this is this always is... my favorite working day of the year usually even though it's not i mean i love cars. how many of these are you done now uh, I think I've done 15-ish. I think this may have been my 14th or 15th, because I, I worked it out the other day. I've been uh, at the MAG for 17 years, but I, there was a stunt plane, which Goodwin did because he's a pilot. Yeah. And there was a Mitsubishi hill climb car for Pikes Peak that Matt Saunders did because he was in Japan at the time. And I think the first one or two, somebody else might have done. Um, Rita, Queen of Speed, was the first... Which is a ride at Alton Towers. Love it. And I think um, uh, somebody else did the, the numbers and somebody else did the work. I wasn't involved with that. I think the first one I did was the Lieber T282B mining truck, the world's largest mining truck <laughs> at the time. We drove to the middle of Utah uh, to a gold mine and spent the day with it. And I just thought, guys, this is a good day of work. This is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us this about is, this one. Though. Anyway, so this one is the uh, Griffin Hoverwork 12,000 TD. Commonly known Amazing. as the Isle of Wight hovercraft. Ah, oh, mate, and what it's a winner. Probably, uh, built on the south coast. Um, I think the Griffin Hoverwork, who, who own the hovercraft company, make a hovercraft for uh, the RNLI uses a few small ones um, with a Volkswagen 2-litre diesel engine, incidentally. Really? Yeah. How it, small? It must be small. I think it takes two crew and up to eight people, and they yeah. use them on... Because the you know, the amazing thing about a hovercraft is it goes on land or water. Yeah. So anywhere you need to do both, it's pretty much un, easy unrivaled. to launch. I imagine. Yeah, Just very easy to roar launch. Roar down a beach. And so they, yeah. So places places with big mud flats where people get stuck ah, is where they is where they have those. So I think yeah. they have about eight in the UK. The RNLI, they use them. Uh, rescue places in Canada use them for that reason as well. And but the Isle of Wight is the only all year round scheduled hovercraft service i haven't been on that for young so oh, i must, must give it a go it's so the guys from it they're saying the lovely thing about it is you get kids who will commute from the isle of wight to college hybrid college and haven't or wherever they're going to wherever they go so they they will be over every morning and commuters will come to work in portsmouth or get on the train and go up to town so there's people who just commute on it every day and they will be sitting next to people who have traveled from the other side of the world for a bucket list i must go on a hovercraft experience fantastic. and it's just fantastic i i I mean, I think there should be more in the world. But obviously, I've looked into where they go. Uh, there is a part year-round hovercraft scheduled service in Canada, which I think uses a Griffin hovercraft. Um, in winter, they drive across an ice road. But in the summer, the ice melts, and there's no way to get to this isolated community. So they have a hovercraft going backwards and forwards. Fantastic. And then there is a river service between China and Russia, two towns across a river, which again partially freezes in the winter and if you look on um, like Google Street View you can just sort of 
glimpse the edge of it. And when you look on Google Maps, you can just see these four hovercraft. It's a very short two-minute crossing, but it's hard to find out being either in Russian or Chinese. It's hard to find out exactly what the schedule is. So and, so forth. <laughs> and Griffin, I think, have just signed a contract to supply three to Japan, where they're going to go between a, a city and its airport, which is on a bit of reclaimed land oh. elsewhere. So it will just start ferrying passengers backwards and forwards on that. It's but, interesting how it's come and gone, hasn't it? Because mm. it used to be Channel, yeah, you know, Princess Margaret, sort of six engines and all the rest yeah, of it. Exactly. There, and, it yeah. and that seemed to stop. But yes. I went on that a few times. I thought oh, really? it was fabulous. Yeah. But the... Um, I got stood on the edge for a while of hovercraft racing. Have you ever seen that in there? I've been very... Tem- I had a book, How to Build a Racing Hovercraft, but are, I thought, yeah. here's a project that I will never do. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to have a go. Yeah. You can do them. You can do hovercraft experiences, and I should have done it. The thing is, they seem to go everywhere in a massive oversteer slide, <laughs> don't they? Just... It's a constant drift, yeah. I think. Yeah. It, and uh, I was going to say... what. When on the Isle of Wight one, do you, mm. are you conscious of that? You know, all that side slip stuff. Not from the passenger compartments. You see, look out the side and you don't see so much of it. But uh, we went up to the bridge or wheelhouse and you do get a sense of it, but not as much as from the outside when you when you see them go sideways. But so uh, Steve Attrell, the sort of head of operations there, says, you know, they're, they're basically a weather vane. So they always want to be blown around by the wind. You know, they they lift off the surface and from that point on, they're very, very susceptible to winds. So they, they don't stick a fin in the water still? No, 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 no. The, the, hull, the whole hull is about 1.8 metres, 1.5 to 1.8 metres off of the water. <clears throat> and then they get stuck in what they call the hump, which is a, a sort of area of high pressure right underneath the skirt. And you have to power through that. And then it then acceleration oh, becomes like much planing. easier again. Yes, very much like planing. Yeah, yeah. How um, quick are they? <laughs> really quick. So the rated top speed is 45 knots which is 50 odd miles an hour but it will do more than that wow it would do much you know and with a tailwind it would do more again but presumably in crowded waterway you've got to watch out yeah yeah because the Solent is one of the busiest stretches in the world and they're so all pilots have to do a high speed craft rating for it and they're very proud of a craft of a travel they say we've got fewer instructors here than Top Gun Academy for wow. fighter pilots in the <laughs> US. And um, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's quick and it moves. It's, it's 10 minutes across the Isle of Wight and that's for five miles. I'm going to go down water. there and give this a go. Oh, it's probably, yeah, you must. Yeah, and it's, I think, a, I think it's 28 quid for a return or something like that. Is there return. such a thing as a crash stop? You know, say you were about Oh, interesting. To... I, I mean, there must be, but if, I mean, well, if I suppose you just drop it in the water. Yeah, I think you just, I think you just turn the engines off. It's got two V12, man turbo diesels oh right big sort of uh, construction equipment turbo diesels because water and sand and salt gets everywhere so I think they're quite well filtered yeah. it's an interesting mix of aerospace and marine because it flies but it also has to cope with the salt water and does it sound good else. Uh, the most 12 and all that yeah well you most of the sound is the fans oh, I, I think really so you don't see you don't hear much 12 yeah. I think that it's not as loud as you think it might be it's got this sort of unmistakable waspish war as it comes. And once you've heard it once, you'd never... Oh, right. It. I'm going to give this a go. I've never been on it. I've, I've, having seen the pics now, I'm really, I'm really juiced up, yeah. And it goes, as they say, it's, you know, it's the closest sandy beach, if you're in Portsmouth or whatever, you know, because you can have a sandy beach in ride on the Isle of, on the, on the Isle of Wight in 10 minutes. 
you know, which is great. Yeah. And there's, you know, I went over in the summer and it was, you know, just for lunch and a mooch around. And it was a, just a way to bookend a, a really nice day for people like us who love machines. Yeah, yeah. Just unmistakable, really. Well, nice. you, engineer, mate. But the problem presents, doesn't it? As soon as you've done one, you sort of think, what the hell am I going to do next yeah, time? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first hovercraft that we've done at is a Christmas it? road test, yeah. Which is remiss of us, really, but... I'm glad we've done it. Yeah, I yeah. Just think they're cool. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I reckon we've got time for another few subjects. Uh, so in the mag, I don't have a bit in this, but you do. Sort of best moments of 2022. Yours was uh, spending a bit of time with Mate Rimax. Oh yeah, well, such an impressive fellow. Th- still 35 years old. How on mm. earth has he managed to achieve what he's achieved? He, he's, you know, they have this vast company. Based in a, in a country where there is no um, history of, of a car industry, he's built one. And he's built, not only that, but he's got to grips with electrification in a way that impresses even big players like Hyundai and Porsche, mm. who are investors in his company. And not only are they investors in his company, but they're so impressed by the uh, his capabilities and his ability to get things done that they've come along to him and said look we're having a bit of trouble making a quid out of Bugatti so could you possibly take it on please and he is now squarely in charge I mean admittedly with some with a great deal of help from the inner workings of Porsche but he is in charge of working out what the next Bugattis are going to be like now that is that is incredible to me it's just incredible and and when you meet the guy he just talks to you like one that you've you've known him a long time, and two that you're you're on an intellectual level with him, which is utter rubbish. You know? <laughs> I had a conversation with him the other day, and we would he was saying we were talking about the Nevera, the you know this lovely um, EV super fast EV um, uh, hypercar that he's built. Yeah, and he was saying, yeah, I think we got a bit wrong with that car. You know, we really should have soft pedaled slightly on the performance and given it a bit more range, and. You know, this is. I thought you shouldn't be telling me this, mate. You know, you're, you know, I, I, I'm nobody. And, uh, but he, but he just, he's just completely guileless bloke. Lovely guy. Yeah, it is astonishing, isn't it? That because if I think who would who would be heading up Bugatti, it would usually be somebody who spent an awful long time in Volkswagen Group, as proof is, as you know, as trod the boards at all of the top levels of you know various different on the yeah. boards of various different sports car enterprises they have and to import that in from somewhere else yeah. they must have impressed him impressed them to an astonishing degree he had a he had a he's very diplomatic about it but he was having a bit of a when i met him before for because he was an award winner of ours mm. he won the usagonis trophy and when i w- went to see him about that he was he was so, sort of having a a, a bit of bit of a almost a dig at Bugatti for their, the former Bugatti, for, for just making such a, a meal of getting to where they'd got. And, it, you know, he felt that you could get there at sort of half the cost and a quarter of the messing about, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, it's that simple can-do spirit, not simple, but can-do spirit that, yeah. that is... I just hope he goes through his life in the same vein, you know, as the same person. Yeah. I hope he, because he's going to change cars. Absolutely, yes. Mm. Yeah. Have you driven the Rimac? No, I wish I had. No. Yeah. Did you? No, I've driven the Pininfarina B3. 
Batista, ah, which okay. is based so off same the same hardware. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, they they're on the same. They're on parallel assembly lines, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think the I think even down to the carbon tub is pretty similar, and yeah. certainly the motors and the the electronic hardware yeah. is the same. And then it comes down to the tuning and yeah, the there wouldn't be a case for that. making them different, really, would no, there? Exactly. No, exactly. I, I think, think he. Um, uh, it would be interesting to see to what extent the Bugatti and the Rumat's cars um, travel together. Yeah, that will be interesting, won't it? Um, yeah. But he was... It's a plug-in hybrid, is it? The next Bugatti, do we think? It's a hybrid powertrain, I think. Somebody can't told. tell you. I don't, I'm not sure it's pure EV. I don't think. The, the conversation we did have just the other day was what a Rimac, Rimat's car will be. Mm. And he said um, that... What he was trying to do was to be, he believed that, that the Nevera is now where McLaren and Co. will be in about six years' time. Oh, really? And and the job for all Rimat's cars going forward is to just work out what the six years brings and be there <laughs> before they are. So, so whatever happens, he's going to be six years ahead of the game. That's a Talk about giving yourself a tough uh, car. A tough. Well, yeah, especially if... You're in charge of Bugatti as well, because, I mean, presumably the group will turn around and go, can we not be this yeah. the group that's six years ahead of everything? Yeah. I don't, I'm interested to see how that will be squared, running yeah. both of those and keeping them going. Right, we're, we're going to run a bit longer than usual, but hey, it's Christmas. That's okay. People have got longer commutes to go. And see oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, Rally's up the road rather than just the half-hour commute to the office, so I'm prepared. Or, you know, while you're boiling the sprouts or whatever, so I'm, I'm going to run on a bit today and I don't care. We'll run on longer next week as well, won't we? Because we're talking to... Double Issue. Yeah, Double Issue double issue podcast. We're going to talk to Chris Harris. Uh, formerly of Autocar, now of Collecting Cars, Top Gear. Uh, hugely entertaining bloke, great company. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, indeed, really me too. To that. So I've had another letter, Steve, actually a note um, off of Instagram telling me that the Suzuki X90, which is a car you are interested in, potential purchase for... Uh, the Festival of the Unexceptional. Indeed. The next 2023. Um, some of those are converted to rear-wheel drive and used in a separate class in trials in the southwest. I bet they're really good as well. Yeah. So no overhangs, plenty of ground clearance. Yeah. Unburstable. Yeah. Probably fairly light because all Suzuki's are light, aren't they? Yeah, and by the time... You, they, they are. Yeah. Should we talk about that? The, 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 they seem to be a good 100... To 150 kilos lighter than most other things in their class. How do they do that? I don't know. Because the, um, what's a little off-roader? Um, Not the Ignis or the Ignis, Vitara? Yeah. Or, yeah. The, the Ignis is eerily light, isn't it? Yeah, it's isn't it close to a ton? Under a thousand. Yeah, so, yeah, which is amazing because it's spacious inside. When they just use, I don't I mean, know. tough. In a, doors yeah. shut nicely. It's not, yeah. it's not flexible or anything. No. I wonder if, because they've got an astonishingly high market share in India, haven't they? And I guess putting using less materials is just makes keeps the cost yeah. down. So maybe just put. I love put Suzuki. I love them. Mm. I never forget them. They had it goes back a few years, but they had a deal with VW to do buy engines. I think mm. or there was a cooperative deal of some kind. And there and there, you know, a dispute was um, developed for over some you know deal. And uh, Suzuki just said, well, stuff you, you know, and, and, you know, normally these things don't, don't come to people just sort of picking up the phone and saying, drop off the edge of the world, mate, do they? No, no, and, especially and they, not with people like Volkswagen Group or whatever. That's you know, it. Presumably. Yeah, they're too, yeah. too, too big yeah. to, to meddle with. Yeah, but yeah. The blokes from Suzuki said, well, bugger off. See you later. You know, 
and and uh, I don't think the German guys quite knew what the hell to do because they weren't used to that. I rather admire that, but it's funny, isn't it? Because you, I, I have a tendency sometimes to forget how big Suzuki is. You know, it, it's a niche-ish player in the sort of private car sales market in the UK to retail customers. Yeah, but actually, I think throughout Europe sells more cars than Honda. And yeah. when you work out, it's you know, I think. I don't know if it's over 50%, but it's been 40 and 50% of the Indian market. Yeah. And motorbikes and marine engines and other stuff too. I mean, it's a big Massive, operation, yeah. but run with that, seemingly, seemingly run with, well, that nice, quite pleasant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> attitude, just just so. the independent spirit. I love yeah. it. Have you yeah. ever had a Suzuki motorbike? No. No. Uh, have you? Uh, many back in the day, it's a thing called a GSX 250, which is... Oh, yeah. You know, ring its neck, no no poke under nine grand, you know, <laughs> red line, 12 and a half, that sort of Excellent. thing. Loved it. Was all. that a two-stroke? Uh, no, it was a, it was it was a twin, um, parallel twin 250. There was a lovely, fr- a lovely phrase about, uh, I've, if it was a bike a bit like that. Maybe it's a, maybe it was that GSX 250. Did they use that engine in a in Aprilia? Quite was likely, nice yeah. There was a lovely phrase in, in a road test about that, or one of those bike, one of those a bike of that ilk, which is it's got five speeds, but they're all the same. They all, five gears, they all do the same thing. Love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love which it. I like a great deal. No, I've not had a Suzuki bike, uh, only Hondas, uh, Hondas and a Ducati, uh. but mostly Hondas, really. But yeah, maybe I should branch out a bit more and get something. Well, get something I think that, no, I mean, Africa twin, mate, you've got, you've, you've got the bike. Do you feel the same way about motorbikes as you feel about cars in terms of getting new ones and looking at other stuff? Because you have this... Uh, configurator syndrome when yeah. the car comes out and you'll spend a lot of time looking I do I I think I do it's, it's funny how I've had a, lots of BMW motorbikes and never owned a BMW car so oh, okay. it's sort of odd hmm. uh, but Angela with my missus uh, sorry the steering committee <laughs> always um, always remarks on this you know how come because I must have had 15 or 20 BMWs over the yes. years and um, that's to say bikes Never a car. Quite mm. like the i4. Could imagine myself in a, in an electric BMW. Do you have plans for twenty? Maybe we'll talk about this next 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 pod pod after next plans for twenty three. The garage. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm always thinking about a damn damn garage. It's a yeah. problem. It's. A problem. I can't get it out of my head. I wake up thinking about it. Stupid. Well, I know it's a hobby, isn't it, Steve? We've got to have one. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I reckon um, well, we should probably wrap there, but we'll be back next week with um, Chris Harris as our special guest. And there is a mag on sale for the 14th and 20th... No, sorry, the 7th and 14th issue is uh, the first Christmas double issue. There is, And that's on sale until December the 21st. Then there is another Christmas double issue, which has the road test yearbook, which is a kind of summary of the reviews we've done this year. That's on sale on the 20th... I mean, it goes on sale on the 21st. It stays on sale beyond the 28th issue and is therefore lasts until the first week of January. That's how it goes. So here's the question. Yes. Is this the moment we should be wishing Merry Christmas to the people who listen, the, well, the three or four people who listen to this thing? Or, I, well, I don't know, because this, this is live on the 14th of December, so there'll be another one between this and Christmas. Right. Okay. So it's hard to know for sure. Well, exactly. maybe a preliminary Christmas. A preliminary Merry Christmas. Enjoy uh, putting the turkey on early or whatever you've got to do. Yeah, a, a preliminary Merry Christmas. We'll be back next week with a different one. I suppose the actual My Week in Cars proper will be back 
either on the 28th or the thing. Anyway, we're here every week. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> See you next week. In the meantime, you can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. Um, if you get on with that uh, and we are going to read out an email, we can send you a mug in time for Christmas. Possibly. Oh. Possibly. Depending on... Uh, no, maybe not, actually. Maybe might not get there in time for Christmas. Well, do, do, the, the, the postman aren't the postman having aren't. a good time. No, exactly. Um, but anyway, you can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. You can find us on all the socials. Autocars at autocar.co.uk all the time. It's on YouTube, where there is also a video going live every Thursday at five, all the way during the Christmas period. Uh, you can buy the magazine on digital subscription. And, of course, it's in shops every week, except at Christmas when it's every two weeks, as it has been since 1895. See you next time. See you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.